CJ's back. Thank you, CJ, for that beat. Welcome. Stairway to Seven's back for another week. I'm here again with James. How you doing, my friend? Good, good. Uh, first thing we've got to do is thank the cover, cover.com.au. There's uh, plenty of content going up. Hopefully starting February daily content, uh, not all written by me, which is nice. There's a few uh, young writers coming on that are going to they're gonna help us out, so that's good. Hopefully a new podcast or two starting as well. So that's exciting. Uh, given, given it's a long weekend and the King's Highway is back open, if you can, get down to the south coast uh, and support some of those businesses down there, buy some petrol, buy some beer, buy your groceries, whatever you can do, try and uh, help out those guys down there because they're really hurting right now so look before we get before we get right into it mate big news chloe dalton big dog's back back. she's back so what look you know it's obviously a big uh it's a big call for her um and it sounds like it sounds like carlton are being pretty supportive of her yeah which which is pretty good from a from a pro sport club yeah and and then obviously uh, rugby australia has been pretty supportive of her too so that's that's pretty exciting, and it sounds like she's going to get two tournaments leading into the Olympics to prove her worth or prove that you know she's back or has maintained a level of fitness and a, and a level of uh, contact conditioning and all of that. How do you see that shaping up? I think there'll be she'll have to adjust, obviously physically a little bit, going from a high K sport in AFL to running you know fifteen sixteen K a game to then having to transition to fourteen minutes of explosiveness, but. You know, she's obviously been there before and she knows the level she needs to, to be at to be at the top and to win gold. So I think she's a massive asset coming back in and I think they'll give her every chance to, to be there. Yeah, and I, I think one of the exciting things is too with the kicking, that that could open up another wrinkle uh, with our attack. Yeah, and using. her kicking's only gone from strength to strength. Yeah. And we, we have tried a number of open play kicking options sort of through last season with players like Alicia Lucas and um, Emma Sykes, but we've really... Seem to have gone away from that a little bit. So maybe that's a door Johnny looks at when, when she comes back in is using that open field kicking. And then obviously her, her set piece kicking and goal kicking is, is second to none. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's pretty cool. And yeah, it, similar to what Jovi was talking about last week, that transition from, I guess, an endurance athlete, because I think it's fair to say that AFL players are endurance athletes, obviously highly skilled, but. They're running lots of Ks and they're doing lots of repeat efforts to then somehow try and um, turn yourself into a power athlete, an explosive athlete. It's going to be interesting to see how that's how that's managed. And I'd be pretty interested to talk to um, Tom Carter and Nathan Parnham after after the, the Olympics is, is finished to see how they've actually approached that. Yeah, and I think her, things like her contact conditioning um, are going to be fantastic and all of her jumping and that sort of explosiveness should be pretty fine. It's just the the high speed running mm. and the, the explosive agility they they think they need to tailor a little bit. Mm. All right. So Hamilton Sevens this weekend. It's the first tournament that's going to have this format change, and it's actually a little bit more drastic than we anticipated. We anticipated. Yeah. Uh, so the way it's going to work is. The top team in each pool automatically qualifies for the top four playoff, and then the next best third place finisher. Uh, but then the sorry, the next best second place finisher. But then the uh, fifth to twelfth games are just a single 
playoff. Yeah, so we, we were assuming it was going to be a top four, middle four, bottom four, a bit like what we think the Olympic structure will be. But, yeah, it seems to be just a, a fifth, seventh, ninth, eleventh playoff. And it's, I mean, it's got to be hard, right? So you're going from potentially six games prior in the last two or three tournaments to now, you know, there's a chance you only get four. So it's a long way to travel for Spain to New Zealand yeah. to get four games. Yeah, and then you you sort of weigh that into their, their Olympic, um, you know, so the tournament leading into the Olympics that all of a sudden their development girls are only getting, you know, four opportunities mm. versus six and, it, you know, sort of managing minutes and, and getting some high-quality footy reps into some of these uh, newer athletes that are potentially making a push for the Olympics, you, you've got to think that's going to be pretty tough. Well, yeah, and it's definitely going to change your approach as a coach because you've you've got 28 less minutes. So yeah, yeah, exactly. you think your athletes are, are fairly conditioned. So if you do have two or three you know, benchies, for lack of a better word, or development players, they're less likely to get on the field because you're probably going to try and stick with your starters knowing that there's less spots, less opportunities to qualify for a medal. Um, and, and your finish in the pool is is super important now. Yeah, so all of a sudden every pool game has a has a bigger weight attached to it, so you can't afford to, to take a risk. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty cutthroat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, look, maybe it makes for some more exciting footy, knowing that, you know, late in a game, you know, uh, even, if, even if you're out by eight points and you got the ball, you're probably still going to attempt to score a try knowing that the points differential is going to be the difference. So we might see teams like Fiji, Brazil, Spain just start throwing the ball around just to see what happens. Yeah, yeah. For 14 minutes each game, you know, you're... 42 points ahead and you might still not have enough points yeah you know to, yeah. to take that that fourth spot for the top four so so it, it, it could be exciting but it, it you know it could there's obviously going to be some teething issues with it in these first two tournaments I imagine. yeah and it'll it'll be interesting to see whether this is just for the Australian and New Zealand legs um, there was an article that came out through the week that sort of said, Part of the decision to do this was because of the first day of those legs lost money, which is probably not the case with Dubai uh, and potentially Hong Kong as well, but also because they wanted to make sure that they could fit both the men's and the women's draw in a reasonable amount of time across two days. So it'll be interesting to see whether that carries through to Hong Kong and, and France and, yeah. and you know potentially into next year or into the Olympics or whether... We see an extended format in Hong Kong and France and then into the Olympics. I, yeah, I'd be pretty interested to see uh, how flexible they can be with that. Yeah, and you have to assume Hong Kong and uh, France being the, the last two tournaments before the Olympics that they'd have to get those pretty streamlined with, with what how they want the Olympics to run. Yeah, for sure. So, look, what I'd like to do now is just read out the team list for the top four finishes from the last tournament. Then after that, we'll have a look at how, how we think the pools are going to shake out. So from New Zealand, we have Ruby Tui, Rissi Puri Lane, Stacey Flula, formerly Stacey Waka. So congratulations, Stacey. Got married uh, earlier this month. Niall Williams, Sarah Hirini, Michaela Blyde, Tyler Nathan-Wong, Kelly Brazier, Gail Broughton, Teresa Fitzpatrick, Mahini, Mahina Paul, and Alina Saili. So who, who do you think's a... I guess a player to watch. I'm in, I'm really interested to see um, how Mahina Paul goes. She's been highly touted, 18 years old. Uh, from all accounts, a very exciting young player. Kicks as well. 
apparently. Um, we're seeing more and more of that from the Kiwis with girls coming in with really advanced skill sets at such a young age. They can kick, they can pass, they can tackle, they can obviously run around you, over you, sidestep you. So it'll be really interesting to see in her second opportunity in the black jersey how she goes. Yeah, and I think, you know, someone like Stacey Walker has been... Flula. Yeah. Yep. Has been <laughs> pretty quality, um, you know, across the last two tournaments. And, you know, she's she's been there their X factor, you know, their their Elliot Green. Um and yeah, I think she'll on home soil they'll they'll be pretty deadly. Yeah, they're again. gonna be really hard to beat yeah. at home in front of that raucous Hamilton yeah. crowd with their cowbells and such. Yeah. No, they're um you know, they're all sort of watching them train the, the past two weeks. They've they've all been pretty pretty motivated and pretty excited about this this home tournament. So I think, you know, as the Sydney Sevens is for for the Aussie girls, I think this this is gonna be a big hit out for them. All right, so uh, we'll read out the Australian side. Obviously, some big news uh, with a certain fairly prominent player coming back in, but I'll let you take the lead on this one, mate. All right. So, got Rhiannon Byers, Shani Williams, Soraya Pucky, Cassie Staples, Emma Tonegato, Demi Hayes. We got Dom Detoit back in, Madison Ashby, Emma Sykes also back in, Alicia Lucas, Elliot Green, and then the GOAT. Emily Cherry, she's back. <laughs> Imagine having a nickname like the goat. Like the people on your team call you the goat. They consider you the goat. Yeah, she's uh, she's pretty quality, Un- unreal talent. The way she can she can change a game, but super humble. So, mm. and you know, it's a really it's a really great story. Like she's had a baby, um, and throughout the entire process has continued to train with the squad. I think the squad. And the coaching staff all feel like that baby's their baby. Yeah, it's part, part of the team. <laughs> and, you know, she's she's probably uh, come back, you know, months before anyone thought she could. So it's really, you know, it's a testament to her her work ethic, her will, and, and the way she's carried herself through this whole process. And, it, and even, you know, she she's really stepped back from the team um, as a leader uh, because she knew that's what her family needed, and and then allowed that allowed some of the other young players an opportunity to play. Yeah, and and I think that the Aussie setup um, has had a little bit of you know experience managing players returning with Nicole Beck in, in you know Aon first year we had her down at Utah's, but you know and they were while she and the team were quality in giving her the best opportunity to first be a mother and f- and focus on that, but mm. also giving her the opportunity if she wanted to to stay tied in and to come back in, and they seem to have. You know, had a, had a lot of success with Emily um, coming back. You know, as you said, faster than than expected. You know, and and hopefully things go really well for her in the lead up to the Olympics, and you know she can be a big part of that. Because I think if we have you know her and Chloe Dalton coming back in at, at top form, then you know that that starting seven and, and Olympic twelve is going to be pretty pretty good. Yeah, and I think it's really great that she's coming back in at a time when you know we've seen girls like Cassie Staples play in the forwards, we've seen Emma Tonegato play in the forwards. Um, so she's coming back into a team now that's probably a little bit more complete in terms of all overall skill set. And so bringing someone with her skills, her leadership qualities, and you know just her natural ability is only gonna is only gonna help you know with performances. I think yeah, I just think it's it's a really exciting time. And you know how good for a girl like Maddie Ashby to 
be able to have em- Emily Cherry outside her talking her through some of the difficult spots in a game. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, Faith Nathan's over there as the, the 13th player. And I think, you know, a lot of the things they're, they're going to try and get out of her are, are quite similar to, to what Emily can do with, with ball in hand as well. So I think that'll be another really good relationship. And then, you know, obviously having Sykes and Detroit come back in as, as pretty experienced um, halves themselves, I think that'll really boost the, the flexibility of the squad and, and the way we can manage the tournament. All right, let's move on to Canada. So I've got a stat for you, Jimbo. I'm excited. <laughs> Canada currently are pretty well by 25, I guess you call them caps or 25 events, are the most experienced team throughout on the series. So they've got 275 caps between them, which is pretty impressive given, you know, they've only, they haven't been a full time. Um, series member for for as long as Australia or New Zealand have, um, and to put that into perspective, Australia's only got two hundred and sixteen, and so you know I don't think you can count this Canada team out, but I'll I'll read through them. So we've got Brittany Ben, Kayla Maleski, Caroline Crosley, Alyssa Allery, Julia Greenshields, Charity Williams, Sarah Caljuvi, Bianca Farella. Chislaine Landry, Kaylee Lucan, Karen Paquin, and Kariah Wardley. So, for me, the the woman you have to watch there is Chislaine Landry. She's 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 bringing some really unbelievable form into into this series. Um, she was a dream team member last two yeah, rounds, last two I believe. Yeah, and you know, looking at that, she's the most experienced woman on that team. She scored the most points, the most tries, and the most conversions. I think most conversions in the entire competition with 300 and something. Um, so she's definitely one you have to watch. And she really controls. If she plays well, the ca- the Canadian team tends to play well. Yeah, she, she's pretty handy. And they've got, you know, Landry as well. They're, they're just so experienced and so level-headed, you know, and, and they're never really out of a game. Mm. You know, you... you Yes, they, they may not have the, the sheer X factor of New Zealand and, and the US, but they're just really quality at hanging around and you know punishing you whenever you make a mistake. All right, so the French side is Marjorie Mayans, uh, Serafina Kemba, Chloe Pell, Jade Ulutule, Valentine Lothos in her second tournament. She's pretty exciting young talent too. Uh, Fanny Horta, Coralie Bertrand, Camille Grassino, uh, Joanna Grises, Caroline Druin, Shannon Izar, and Lena Guerin. And I'm 97% sure I've butchered most of those. Yeah, I thought your French accent was pretty good, mate. Yep. Bonjour. <laughs> Je m'appelle Jimbo. <laughs> One of the things I, lo- I love about the way the French play is they're incredibly physical and incredibly aggressive, particularly at the breakdown. They really like to attack you there. Yeah, they play a fairly direct style of sevens. Um, but I think, you know, we've sort of come to expect that from French rugby in general. Um, they really do like the contact contact aspect of the game. And, you know, you can see with the way that they have played throughout, they feel like they have to prove something to everyone else given they still haven't qualified for the Olympics. Yeah, yeah well, they're still, they're still leading up to that repercharge tournament and... You know, they're the kind of team that's going to keep everyone honest, especially in the recycling of the footy. Yeah, and I, I think now with this new format, I think they're probably a team 
prior when when teams would play them would be like, well, we can actually afford to drop this one. So, you know, let's try some things. Let's let's see if we can figure out this French defensive line. Uh, whereas now it's like you got to win it. Yeah, you know, they're a, a big dark horse to be a bit of a giant killer in, mm. in this new format, definitely. Yeah. So if we look at it, look at it, we've got we'll, – we'll go through the pools really quickly. But we've got in Pool A, New Zealand, Fiji, England and China. Pool B, Australia, USA, Russia and Brazil. And in Pool C, we've got Canada, France, Spain and Ireland. So we're going to go ahead and pick this top four – Starting with the top team in each pool. So what are you thinking about pool A? New Zealand, Fiji, England or China? New Zealand. <laughs> Do you want to think about that? Nope. You, you don't think the Chinese are a chance at an upset? I think the Chinese would give it a good crack. But yeah, I, I can't see anyone coming close to, to beating NZ. Yeah, especially in, in, at home. In, in the, the, you know, throughout the whole tournament, let, let alone the pool stages. I think the English have been... Um, sort of way off in their current form. Oh, they've been disappointing for me. You know, Fiji will be incredibly exciting, but I think New Zealand's defensive discipline at home, they're they're just going to be too strong. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, look, I agree with you. If you had asked me that question, I probably would have had a similar response. Uh, Yeah. New Zealand are the form team. They've shown that. They've finished first in the last two. And then having to play them at home, you know, in front of mum and dad, Sister, brother, partner. Uh, I just think it's going to be a tough ask. You know, Fiji play a pretty exciting style of footy. They throw the ball around a lot. But New Zealand have shown that with their defence, they're really good at shutting down those offload channels. Yeah. Um, taking intercepts. Yeah, v- very much. So. And I guess that comes from a lot of those girls, you know, growing up playing that style of footy. Anyway, mm. they understand how to defend it because they, they aren't, you know, they at times probably do it better than Fiji do. Yeah. So, Agreed. Uh, New Zealand are uh, as close to a lock for that for one of those semi-final spots as I think I've ever I've ever seen. Now, Pool B for me is going to be a really hard pool. This is this is Australia's pool. So and 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 so it's Australia, USA, Russia, and Brazil. Now, the interesting stat here is Australia and the US have played three times, and the USA has knocked them off twice in the earlier earlier tournaments and Australia knocked them off in the last one. So for me, I, I think this is probably going to be the closest pool um, for those two reasons. I think Russia and Brazil are going to be fairly simple games for both those teams. So it's really going to come down to who who shows up in that Australia-USA game. Yeah, and I think this is where the, the new format is a little bit scary for the, you know, for the Aussie girls because... You know, the last few tournaments we've shown we haven't necessarily been at our best in the pool stages and we, we are really going to have to be against the US. They probably didn't have, well, they didn't have the, the most successful tournament, um, you know, last round and they'll be really wanting to, to start 2020 off in the right way. And so they'll come out firing against Australia knowing that if they can knock us off in the pool stages, they're, they're a lock for the top four. Um, but then again, even, even with a side like Russia on their day, can potentially mm. knock a, a sloppy Australia off. Yeah, Australia's really got to be on point now. You know, we have we have seen them kind of work their way into tournaments. Really, you know, the first sort of, you know, first couple of games have some decent wins and then, you know, have a close game, a win, you know, a close win or, or a close loss against, you know, a USA or a France or a Canada. Uh, and then, you know, really find their, hit their stride 
on that last day coming into the finals. So they've you know they've had a couple of second place finishes. So they're really going to have to just be on point. They're going to have to be playing, you know, their hardest and their best. Um, you know, perfect footy, which is yeah. a tough ask. And I guess with with those, um, you know, three biggish names coming back in, you know, that that should help our experience. But how we gel from from game one in the pool stages will be interesting to see. And you know, back to our earlier point around playing time. You know, is this? John's been been fairly consistent having a, a, a similar starting seven, seven each time. Eight, yeah. But, you know, is this a scenario where he's potentially going to have to burn a bunch of them, play them huge minutes during the pool stages just to make sure we qualify for the for the semis and, you know, hope for the best there, hope we can maintain a level of, of performance with some potentially heavy legs? Yeah, well, and, and we, we have seen that, that in, in that first or second final that we have been... There's been a few players that are a little bit burnt out. You know, mm. it's going to be a, a tough challenge for him and, and TC to to manage the girls through the pool stages and make sure that we're getting minutes into all the girls so that they're good mm. to go, but at the same time making sure that we, we're distributing enough to to make sure we're, we're quality through the pool stages and then even better yep. come finals. So, look, personally, I think with, with the GOAT coming back in, that'll give – the girls a bit of an extra boost, so I, I I'm tipping them to top that pool. Yeah, yeah, I I think I'd I'd have to agree with you. I obviously, wouldn't be surprised if the USA come out and, no, and knock us off. All. But at the same time, you'd you'd have to think we're we're strong enough. Mm. All right, so Pool C: Canada, France, Spain, Ireland. You know, we we touched on Canada's experience and we touched on France's physical style of footy. You know, who do you think is the is the winner there? Who do you think's the pick? I mean, it it really depends who you know. It's that that old adage: who turns up on the day. But Canada are, you know, they're they're the more stable, consistent team. So you'd have to expect them to to be quality. But I think France on their day, will will probably knock them off. And again, a bit like the US, looking to start twenty twenty really well. They need to have a big first, you know, start to to twenty twenty leading into the repercharge for them. So. I would not be surprised at all if France came out and put, you know, 15, 20 points on, on Canada. Yeah, I'm tipping France. I think, um, you know, Canada Canada are a good team, but I think the French, if they can maintain the ball, really, really look to attack them at the breakdown, that's probably an area where Canada's a little bit vulnerable, um, especially when you look at the, the size of some of the French athletes. I know Canada beat them um, in the last in the last series, in, in the third and fourth playoff. But I can just see France coming out and really having a focus on, all right, let, we, we, we know our style of play. We know that we're more physical than them and we know that we can retain ball. So if we do those things well, if we retain the ball and t- make the most of our opportunities at, at the breakdown when the ball's available, uh, yeah, I can see them coming out to having a really fast start and then Canada all of a sudden having to chase the game, uh, which is something they've, they've not been good at all no. year. No, and and yeah, and Canada, as we spoke about earlier, don't have the same X factor as some of the other top sides. You know, those players that can turn the game on its head. Whereas I think the French have a couple of girls who, you know, if they get off to a good start, can really you know hammer home a decent victory. Yeah, and that's probably a really good point with Canada. They they are a good team. They lack that individual brilliance that you see out of players like Kirsch and Kelter, um, Elia Green. Um, you know, Niall Williams, Stacey Wacker, that sort of thing. That, you know, that that sometimes can be the difference between, you know, winning a series and f- 
finishing fourth. Yeah, and you know they've got seven of the best you know workhorses on the field who are all exceptional attackers, but they just don't have that little bit of pizzazz on top. Yeah, a little bit of Jimbo Flair. That's it. A little bit, <laughs> a little, a little bit of that. Whatever it is, we don't yeah. know. I don't know. I wish coaches knew what it was. I wish I could, I wish I had some. Yeah, that's all I can say. All right, so it's France. Yeah, France. Oh, okay. So we've got Australia. We've got we've actually got Australia playing France because uh, that's the way the cookie crumbles. And then New Zealand are in the other semi final. Who who is it that comes out as the the best second place finisher? In my mind, it's out of the US and Canada, the North Americans. Yeah, and I'm assuming it'll probably come down to points difference. Mm. And then you, so you sort of look at the other the other two teams in each pool. So USA have got Russia and Brazil, and then Canada have got Spain and Ireland. Mm. You know, so you you would have to assume USA would put more points on on Russia and Brazil than Canada can put on Spain and Ireland because mm-hmm. you know we've seen Spain and, and the Irish on their day. Well, be, Spain, Spain be have, pretty quality. Spain have pushed Australia. Yeah, um, they've pushed France. They've pushed, um, they've pushed the USA, and and as has Ireland. Yeah, Ireland for me has been a bit disappointing overall, but they are capable of that one performance that in this new format could absolutely upset the order of things. Yeah, it, exactly. And so, so I guess in that pool, so you've, you've got four teams who can potentially knock off some big dogs. But yeah, I can see the US putting putting some big points on Brazil, and then they. You know, their, their game style seems to be super effective against Russia as well. You know, playing them big through the middle, as the Russians like to do, and then burning them um, yeah, on, I, on the edge. I, I like the Brazilians. Um, there was a story that came out this week um, on the HSBC World Series website that talked about how the Brazilians, uh, instead of going back home to Brazil, just went straight to Hamilton, to Hamilton from Cape Town. So they've been there for like three weeks uh, training, acclimatizing, you know, really. They have some pracky games against NZ Development as well, yeah, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you never know. Like, I, I've always thought the the Brazilians have the potential to, to one day be a, a really strong team, uh, you know, regular fixture on this on this series. And, you know, maybe that, that extra conditioning, those extra games, that extra time to acclimatize. Because that, that's the other, you know, the other consideration is most of these teams flew in this week. Monday or Tuesday, so they've only got you know three or four days to sort of acclimatize. So maybe you know maybe they do push a USA or an Australia, but hopefully not Australia. But yeah, <laughs> but I, I, look, I think you're right. I think you know the that pool C certainly shapes up as a as a tougher overall three game stretch. Yeah, um, yeah. Whereas I think you know assuming. Australia beats New Zealand. I think the USA at least have a game against Russia or Brazil where they where they create some distance in terms of points difference. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna back them in yeah. for that last semi final spot. So that means Australia's playing France and New Zealand's playing the USA. So if we look at that first one, who you got? Australia, France. Australia. He's <laughs> given me nothing this week. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we sort of spoken a little bit about the French being really good around the breakdown. Um, 
Yeah, and they'll really challenge us and, and keep us pretty honest through the middle of the field. But looking at the side, we've got a lot of really quality ball players, and we're going to have them across the park. Who you know, and we're going to be making some, you'd you'd hope some pretty good decisions with the girls that we've got. And I just think we're we're probably going to be too strong for yeah. them. You know, across fourteen minutes. It, I, I think I think when you play against a French team, you know they're going to have size and strength in the middle of the field. Yes, they have speed on the edge, but their strength is through the middle of the field. So if we if we control possession and we play the way we like to play, which is getting the ball out to the, the centre or the one in from the edge and sort of manipulating the two edge defenders, if we play that style of footy and kind of move those bigger girls around the, around the field, just make them have to work a little bit harder laterally, then I think we, we win that game. But if we allow France to dictate possession and dictate the tempo because they'll try and slow it down a little bit and really set their attack up and play, you know, quite a bit through the middle until we compress and then they'll get it to the edge. Yeah. Then the French take us. Yeah, and I think it probably comes down to how how both sides start, you know, because France are one of those teams that they have a decent start and get on a bit of a roll. You know, players like Grass and I really just take take over the game and they'll make it really hard for us. But, you know, in, in saying that, I think the Aussie girls have been doing an awful lot of work Defensively, yeah. especially around that discipline and yep. and staying in, in in that defensive line, whether we're, whether we're seven flat or, or the six and one. So no, I think it'll be a really interesting game and really close. But yeah, I think the, the Australians will get up. And I, I always love it when you get a game where you've got contrasting styles. You yeah. you, you kind of ha- you see this arm wrestle between two two different styles of footy, and often it makes for an exciting game because it's weird. You're not watching two of the same teams. You're watching two teams execute two different game plans so it's it makes for it makes for good tv yeah uh if nothing else all right so australia is going through they're gonna win by 60 points um cherry with 20 yeah of those points yeah. and elia with the other 20 because they're all going to be yeah. tries that's what i yeah that's what i figured yeah. i mean uh, shani will kick oh yeah. won't she yeah true yeah true Go sorry shani i got you back sorry shani <laughs> then so we look at new zealand usa yeah, I, I can't see New Zealand losing. No, nah. no, nah, n- not at all. And, it, you know, they've got seven of the, you know, their starting seven is seven of the best players in the world. You know, Australia, we're, we're lucky. We've probably got, you know, five or six of our starting seven that are pretty quality. Um, but, yeah, New Zealand, are just, it just it doesn't really matter who you put on the park. And even their, their young players coming through, you know, a couple of those girls have only played one or two tournaments and already scored, you know, a handful of points. Kick some goals. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, it's probably a reflection of the Ignite Sevens, Rebel Sevens, even the, you know, the schoolgirl stuff, the Condor stuff they've got. Provincial Sevens. And additionally, I know a lot of these girls also play in the Provincial Fifteens competition. Yeah. So, so that, you know, b- before they even, you know, put on the black jersey, they've played a bucket load of quality footy, which mm. is which is a testament to their program. And you can see that, you know, that they, they never really seem like they're under pressure mm. out there. And I don't want to di- digress too much, but it's interesting – like from when they, from schoolgirls to black ferns, sevens or fifteens, there seems to be just a glut of football for them. Yeah. Whereas in Australia, we've kind of gone the other way, where there's a glut for them prior to they prior to playing school schoolgirls and junior junior world sevens, and then it kind of dries up a little bit. Yeah. And so, it, so it's interesting to see how that's translated into senior footy. Yeah, and I guess in Australia we've got. You know, Super W, which is about to kick off, and then sort of Aon through the the middle back end of the year. But but mm. outside of those two programs, there's not a 
a lot of high quality footy on offer for them. And you know, you're talking about you know twelve provinces for women's rugby, whereas in Australia, you, you, you know, you they're attached to the five Super Rugby franchises. Yeah, you know, the seven stuff is good because it's 10, 10 universities. Um, but yeah, they're they're really kind of two smaller tournaments. Given uh, the Aon series is four or five rounds, and and um, Super W is four or five rounds, including finals. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like you know these Kiwi girls are getting like forty or fifty games of footy before they even put, make put the, the jersey jump. on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, it's exciting for the Kiwis, but um, yeah, I, I think they're they're going to be too strong against the, the US. Yeah, and look, that's not that's that's not a knock on the US team. I think the US team still play a really exciting brand of footy, and are probably one of the few teams, you know, New Zealand being the one of the other ones who um, can give you three or four different looks in a game yeah. and and that, they're not they're not scared to try a few different things to try and to try and beat some of these teams no and I, I guess that that's probably an interesting point especially against the kiwis where they they're not expected to match them is maybe they do try a couple of these mm. you know um, game style variants and and see you know what they can throw at the kiwis and see what see what happens for them because we you know we have seen the us have have success you know kelter and kirsch on one edge um, you know and even through the middle of the field with Gestitis, you know, um, it, it's a, it's an interesting. They're a very interesting team to watch because you kind of never know what you're going to get. And um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think New Zealand are going to going to take them, but I think that's of the two semi-finals, that one's probably going to be the most exciting game. Yeah, and and I think the US are really good at making defense look exciting. Mm. Like their, you know, their line speed and the pressure they put on around the ball, especially sort of, you know, trying to get out of your own twenty-two. They really try and lock you down in there and put heaps of pressure on you. So, you know, I think they'll keep the Kiwis pretty honest. But, yeah, having having seven girls who can potentially unlock the game yeah. for the Kiwis, I think they're, they are just going to be too strong. And I don't know if you've spent much time in Hamilton, but they re- they, they bring their cowbells out. It's loud. Yeah. I've been to the Botanical Gardens in Hamilton. <laughs> Lovely spot. <laughs> Shout out to the Hamilton Botanical Gardens. Yeah. Beautiful. Wow. Beautiful. All right. Australia, New Zealand. It's an Anzac final. It'll be on Australia Day. On Australia Day. Kiwis. <laughs> I thought he was going to go a different way with that, personally. Yeah. It's, um, it's always hard to play a team at their home tournament, especially in the final. I think they just seem to find another gear. You know, we saw it with the Australian men in 2018. Um haven't won since and had hardly won anything prior, but they just got a roll on and just grew another arm and a leg in that final. And I just, yeah, I think for all the reasons we've just spoken about, but then having the added factor of family, friends, cowbells, botanical gardens, visits. That's it. All all that stuff. You know, and and even, you know, the short bus ride uh, for a lot of them down, down to Hamilton. Um, is really gonna just just give them that little bit of a, of an edge in the final. Yeah, and I think playing you know one less game this tournament, and then looking at their pool games, probably not playing a you know only really having played a quality semi straight into the final. You know they're going to be fresh and and ready to go. Whereas you look at the Aussie girls, they'll have you know one really really tough pool game against the US, and then a really tough semi 
you know, we're, yeah, we're assumed against, against a physical France. France, and even if it's Canada, again, that's going to be super physical. Yep. And then, you know, then we're to NZ, and we've got three girls coming, you know, back into the, the the squad for their first tournament in a fair while, coming off injury for those three girls. You know, you'd, you'd have to assume that the Kiwis are going to be too strong. But in saying that, you know, she's not the goat for nothing. So that's know, true. Maybe that's true. Maybe Cherry turns it around for us. Yep. And you know, it's it's uh. It's a, it, yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting, and it's it's another example of you know Australia, Australia. You know we spoke last time about how, you know Australia wanted to um, start standing up in those big games, and I think this is probably unfair on them because I feel like if they get there, they're gonna they, you know they're gonna have some momentum, but the the home field factor is gonna be is gonna be massive, and and when you think about the stadium and the crowd, you know. New Zealanders hate nothing more than Australians. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but I guess the exciting part of that is is that, you know if they get there and and play off and, and lose they you know they've got a pretty quick turnaround to to flip the coin and get home home court advantage out at Parramatta yeah. Stadium next next weekend which is going to be pretty unreal for them. Yeah, and and I think your point around you know what happens in the pools is important. If you look at you know again we look at New Zealand's pool the the minutes. You know they're probably going to be able to rotate them through much better and have a much more even minute split than you know potentially in Australia or a Canada or France are going to have. Given how important that that Australia USA and Canada France games are, yeah, I mean their their closest opponent could be Fiji, depending on you know how they go. Or you know we'd expect it to be England, but yeah, you know, they're, they're, yeah, there's not a, a you know a quality opponent in that pool like France or or the US. Well, if I'm New Zealand, I'm not worried about any of those three teams. No, and and the the playing group is certainly quality enough from one to twelve to to you know come up against any any of those teams and pretty convincingly knock them off. Mm. Yeah. Well, Jimbo, I think we've clocked it. We we've had we've had some pretty good picks in the past, but we've also been super wrong a few times. Story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe this is the this is the tournament we go four for four in the semis and one for one in the final. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so look, thank you again for being here. Not a problem. Okay, sorry, mate. They're already playing the music, so we have to we have to cut it short. We have to stop it there. I'm sorry, mate. So next week we'll get you in live. Next week we'll get you in live. We'll get you on the phone. So thanks again to the cover. Thanks again to everyone listening, mum and dad. Good to hear from you. We'll see you all next week.